Welcome to another episode of the Science of Social Impact. I am here today with Heather McDougall, the co-founder of Bogo Brush. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. I am pumped to learn about you, your life, the, the story behind Bogo Brush. So why don't you start uh, by saying a hello to everyone and letting us know just a little bit about you, your title, and what Bogo Brush is. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Heather. Heather McDougall, and I am a sustainability visionary and creator and the co-founder of Bogo Brush, a sustainable, beautiful toothbrush company. Awesome. So sustainable, beautiful toothbrushes. toothbrushes. Uh, tell me more, just a little bit more about the toothbrush itself, uh, Bogo Brush's line of products, et cetera. Bogo Brush is a uh, so we have two different collections that's made from recycled plastics or plants. So you can recycle one or you can compost one when, when you're done with it. And they're just super minimally designed. So it's really elevating a toothbrush to something that uh, you're rather than shoving it in a dirty drawer, you can really feel proud and display it like on your bathroom counter and uh, kind of becomes a piece of like art in your home. Love it. Awesome. So we've got the what established and we're going to talk more about Bogo Brush and the story and life of that company. But now let's get to the why. So everyone is the product of our life's experiences and those experiences shape our beliefs. So share with us one core belief that you hold to be true in your life that has uh, come from your life's experiences. The core belief, the main core belief I hold is that humanity and nature are all one, all the same one. Awesome. Humanity and nature are all one. I can't wait to dive into that while we tell some awesome stories, uh, but that is going to be the belief that we center everything around here and that we uh, keep coming back to. So why don't you start from the beginning? Like where does, where does this life journey start for you? Take us to the origins. I was born in a small town in North Dakota uh, to my mom and dad. Um, my dad is a dentist, which my brother, so my brother and I co-founded Bogo Brush together much later than we were born. <laughs> but uh, uh -huh. we often joke that the idea maybe came from growing up as children of a dentist. But I mean, even, even kind of before that and more than that, growing up in North Dakota was an opportunity to be fairly intimately connected with nature. Uh, not in so much of like a tree hugger environmentalist way, but it's very agricultural and there's a lot of like outdoor sportsmen things. So a lot of lifestyle really evolves around what is happening to nature. And I think we grew up with that and also grew up in, in a small town where community and knowing each other is a really, really strong thread. Uh, I went to school for quite a while and like college, I studied, well, music and public relations and political science and got really passionate about social impact. College in North Dakota? Uh, yeah, well, technically Minnesota, just across, across okay. the border in Moorhead, which is like two minutes from North Dakota. Got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I, I, with social impact, I decided to go to law school and learn how does society and our laws and our systems, how do they influence each other? 
And it was through that process where I really started to understand environmentalism and sustainability and how all of our choices and systems as humans um, are all inter interconnected. And that's, that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of like the, I guess the impetus moment of when my brother and I started creating together. Awesome. For you, I, like I have a vision of what it feels like to grow up in North Dakota. I picture, you know, like nice, like, I don't know, big rolling hills, tons of nature. Would you say that it came easy to be so involved in nature or uh, did you have to make efforts to be going out and exploring nature all, all the time as you grew up? I think, I mean, I, we, my parents are so outside, like they're very much like outdoors people. So for me, it was, it just happened as second nature. My parents live uh, on a river, like a small river. They have a, like a great backyard. My dad built us a huge, like play set, swing set, you know, kind of thing. In the winters, we would go hiking on the frozen river and climb up old tree stumps. And uh, being a small town, you're not really that far away ever from just tromping around in a field or the woods. So I think it was very much second nature to like when you're bored, just go outside, you know, get dirty, make your own fun. Those kinds of things came very second nature. Maybe not for everyone um, here. It's just kind of the, the, the environment I grew up in at home. For sure. So as you get into college, which was in Minnesota, that's when you said you and your brother started to create. So what's the age difference between you and your brother? And were you guys at the same college or just at that time? Yeah. Uh, so we're two years apart. I'm two years older. Um, and yeah, I was in. And smarter. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, John, John was in school in Detroit, actually, which is what brought him there. So we, we like kind of joke that today John designs cars by day and toothbrushes by night. Nice. Um, but he was in transportation design school at the time that I was in law school. And we, we've always been very close. And so we'd have a lot of conversations and just realized we had a shared passion for sustainability and that from each of our lenses and backgrounds, uh, we just realized we really wanted to do something and combine our skills and our talents that had brought us that far into doing something, pre creating something into the world that would, I don't know, help us make a difference. If you hadn't started uh, or come up with the idea for what you eventually built in Boger Brush then, what would your path have eventually taken you on? Like lawyer at a firm at some point? No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, when I was in, when I was in school, in law school specifically, I, I, it was, for me, it was like, I call it an, like a graduate degree of liberal arts, which I don't know if you read articles on law school, it's maybe seemingly like people joke about it being a waste. But for me, it was really great because it helped teach me a new way of thinking and asking questions and some of which I have now moved on from because it can be pretty rigid and structured, just getting so tightly wound around words. But I also had a chance to study things from energy law to environmental policy, um, you know, agencies, like how does, how does the government work? How do just how are laws like actually created and used by organizations? Um, 
Yeah. And through that, I worked, um, I worked on a, like a lobbying group, a nonprofit group that did things with victims rights of sexual crimes. That was actually a very fascinating approach that they took. Uh, but I also learned there that uh, being involved in the government and in that system was not right for me. It just felt too, too restrictive and too slow. And then eventually it led me to working for a venture capitalist. And so seeing this whole entrepreneurial side, which was also fascinating um, because when I started that job, I had no idea what venture capital was. I just said yes. (laughs) Um, But I saw how influential entrepreneurship can be and also how it's not inherently good per se, that um, it's all up to what the founders are trying to do. And that kind of showed me this intersection and the, the idea of social entrepreneurship. Wow. You set up the perfect stage for social enterprise, social impact. You went from one extreme nonprofit government to venture capital completely two different worlds and you got to see both of them within a short amount of time. That's all part of while you're in Minnesota and having these conversations with John about starting something big. Yes, exactly. Awesome. So you guys are talking, uh, you both have this awesome spirit and you're close as siblings and friends. Uh, at what point in the conversation and what does that conversation sound like where this idea for a brush, a toothbrush comes into play? Well, before there was even a toothbrush, we first created a think tank and the values and the principles of that think tank are still very much alive in Bogobrush, but then also in projects that I'm you know, doing in addition and since, since Bogobrush. But the think tank at that time, we called it Share Project and it combined uh, eight different, we called them pillars, now I call them limbs, but eight different pillars of what we think helps create a very sustainable, well-rounded view of human society. And we thought, what if we could you know, make products or ideas or laws or you know, policies with this very well-rounded viewpoint? Like, wouldn't the outcome be more balanced? And so we started the think tank with, with that view in place. And it's from the think tank that one of the products we discussed was a toothbrush sort of just flippantly like oh a toothbrush is something you use every day like that'd be interesting to put some more sustainability values into it and after having enough conversation we decided all right it's time to do something with this conversation we thought the toothbrush would be the easiest thing of those that we talked about and then that's really when uh, bogo brush was born the concept of having a think tank with your brother is not the average sibling conversation. So that is really <laughs> cool that you guys were having those conversations and probably speaks to how good of a friendship that you both have, which is awesome. And so this idea for the toothbrush emerges and you are talking about sustainability. Uh, obviously before then you had had, you had a father who was in the dental industry, but did you have any idea how you were going to source or make uh, this toothbrush or was it like, we're starting from square one, go and do a Google search? The second it was, I mean, I should, yeah, we had no idea how to make one really. I maybe a little bit more knowledge because at the time John was in school for industrial design. So that's not engineering, but of course he like he works with engineers and understands that there is a manufacturing process, but 
And, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I've worked in uh, venture capital and startup world. So I kind of understood, okay, I need to get an entity set up and some of these. But yeah, as far as actually how to make a toothbrush, no, Google was our friend and we just Googled any toothbrush manufacturer and talked to them and slowly but surely learned what words to use. <laughs> and um, I mean, still are learning, but yeah, it was a Google, it was a Google start. <laughs> How did you make your first one? Does it just start with a manufacturer saying, yes, I'll do this. And you saying, cool, we, we want these materials in it. And then they make a prototype. So it, yeah, for us, it started very much with a, a a very like design-based process, of course, with John being so involved. So it started with like clay and uh, just kind of manipulating things and researching what toothbrushes exist. What are the problems? What are the problems with um, things for the environment? What are the problems with oral health when it comes to society, right? If we look at very traditionally, the model of sustainability is that the intersection of economic values, environmental values, and social values. So at a very base level, that was sort of the way we would ask questions. And of course, for us, we had this eight limb perspective, but so it was design process through a lens of sustainability. Um, and then <laughs> it was choosing material. And we used life cycle analysis software to choose what we thought would be the best material. Now that was eight years ago. And at the time, the best material was was bamboo, which is really interesting. We can get into it. We've since learned through our process that it doesn't make a great toothbrush. Um, but yeah, thinking we were working with bamboo, then that led us to the path of, okay, who can help us make a prototype of this so that then we have a prototype to send to people who manufacture with bamboo. What year is all this happening in? This is all basically like 2012. 2012. And uh, in 2012, you're getting, you're figuring out bamboo is what we're going to start with. Maybe not what we're at today, but what you started with. Then mm -hmm. you found someone to make that kind of in mass. And did you order your first batch? Did you make a website and see, do some social media? Or what was the strategy from there when you figured out what the brush was going to be made of? Yeah, well, after we were rejected by Kickstarter, uh, we started our <laughs> own. <laughs> we started our own website and did our own PR campaign, and did our own uh, like pre-order. And that, I mean, it was very successful. We, and from a PR standpoint, we were featured all over, from Dwell Magazine to Men's Health to Real Simple. We were on like DIY Network. We were all over, and that helped us yeah, raise a bunch of money and to place our first production run. And we'd been investing our own, our own money, our own resources. Uh, you know, I sold my, sold any, any like savings account stuff that I had, like as probably lots of entrepreneurs can relate. Uh, but, but yeah, when we, when we finally hit go on that full production round, um, it was exhilarating. And it was also where we, <laughs> where we learned that, uh, there were lots of things to work out. I want to make sure we take a pit stop right here because uh, we need to really dive into how epic what you just said was from Kickstarter rejected us. So we launched our own PR campaign and then we skipped right to, and we got picked up by all these places. Like for someone listening, they're saying the question I'm going to ask, how, how does that happen? I mean, 
gosh, I feel really, it's interesting that you ask. I feel kind of cliche saying, I mean, tons of hard work and luck and timing, you know? At that time, we thought we were launching a 100% biodegradable toothbrush, the first in the world. Um, we were told by the manufacturers, we were working with overseas manufacturers out of China at this time, which we've since moved everything back to the US. But we were told that certain materials existed uh, biodegradable nylon, all sorts of things, which we learned was not true. But so we had a story <laughs> that we had to edit, <laughs> of course, as we learned the truth. But that story um, really resonated with people at that time. There were no other toothbrush companies doing anything close to modern design with the product. So it was just very, very like ahead of the curve. Um, and I should say that even though like the bristles ended up not being fully biodegradable, everything else on the product is. So, wow. you know, you have to make sacrifices along the way in order to have any progress, but, and then just timing. I mean, we had beautiful imagery. We knew how to design things that looked good, that would catch people's eye and people were, people were ready for it. I'm going to ask one more question on this pit stop here and then we'll keep, we'll keep the train moving. Uh, would you say that, uh, I'm thinking of two ways that possibly this worked out for you. Did you have a really well-written PR campaign that had tons of micro likes and eventually got caught by a macro person who pushed it? Or did it, did you go straight to a macro like a men's health right away and say, here's the story. And they said, great. And then pushed it out to the micro. Um, I think it's a little bit of both, but definitely the micro created the buzz that then the macro said, yes. Um, that seemed to be the trend. Also, partially, you, you know, looking at places like Men's Health, they have a longer story lead time for things in a lot of cases, especially if you're in the magazine, than say like uh, in like different design blogs or Tree Hugger or you know whatever they are. I can't even remember all the places now. But we, I mean, we we did it all bootstrap, but we had a team of people that we pulled together and wrote wrote press releases, um, followed like best practices at the time, which are not the best practices now, <laughs> but uh, best practices at the time, great imagery. And we did a lot of, a lot of buildup. So researched a full list of any blog that we really thought would be the right source, we categorized it out. We tailored the press releases to each of those categories. So dentist, eco, design, so forth. And um, divided and kind of just sent it all out. We probably sent, I don't know, over 200 wow. press releases or more as, as kind of a team. And yeah, early ones started picking them up and then the bigger ones see that. And For sure. since you've already landed in their inbox, they're like, Oh, okay. Hey, I saw that. And it just kept going. Yeah, that's some really good concrete advice that I know someone who's listening to this will get instant value from that process that you just described there. I'm not sure if you've detailed that out before in, in writing, but that's gold right there. So you looked at the list of blogs that you knew would be right for you, not just put one press release out to all those blogs, but then categorize those blogs by certain, certain buckets, made a press release for each of those buckets and sent it out the right release to those buckets. And uh, that all costs $0 to do just a lot of time and effort. So if you're listening and you're stuck with PR, 
take a note from Heather here because that did not cost a dollar to sit down, write press releases, find the blogs and put them into the right buckets. That was well done. Yeah, thanks. It is. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, it, there's so many things you do as a, as a startup, as an entrepreneur that I don't know, really suck in the moment. <laughs> you know, it's like not fun. I wouldn't say it was terrible. It was the first time we had done that and we were all jazzed and, you know, we were doing it together, but it, it's, that's, yeah, it's just kind of, kind of what you have to do. And also just say that we had that awesome success and it's helped us along the way for sure, but it didn't make the road. Like, it's not like the whole path has just been like paved in gold and Oh, here we are now arriving on all the shelves in the world. There's still, incredible effort and and learning and and things to do so it's it's totally worthwhile i highly recommend going through that process but also keep moving and know that it's just one step along the way mm -hmm. as bogo brush starts to ramp up and you get this uh wave of media and and all these pre-orders are you still in in college at that point or are you out of college i was a year out okay so a lot a lot of our subscribers and, and listeners to this show will ask message questions and ask like the hard question of like, how did they live? Like, what did they, where did they, where did they live? How did they buy food and were they working? Was this a part-time thing? Can you share a little bit more about the details there? Whatever you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, Bogo brush is definitely the side hustle, you know, for, a long time and my brother being a car designer uh, for me I'm uh, in addition to all of this I'm a yoga teacher have been for quite a while so those things and then um, you know we both got married and had spouses that believed in our vision as well so um, yeah but you have to you have to <laughs> you have to find the money and and working other jobs or whatnot um and then you know once with the success that we've had we've been able to also do more fundraising right and and get get resources that can help support a team and make things possible so if you're in that like grinding i mean we're still it's it, it's always a it's always a work but just remember especially those really early days yeah you're getting money from here and there but there with the with that growth make sure you're like turning it into something that can reward you personally and support you financially we went too long without thinking about our own financial um, needs from the company and that can definitely lead to feelings of burnout so i don't undervalue yourself you're worth mm. it well said so that's the, that's the beginning. That's some of the inceptions. Obviously, Bogo Brush continued to take off, and I'm sure the team grew from just you and John to, to others. Can you uh, give us the picture of where is Bogo Brush today, team size, location, and where's the product today? Yeah. So Bogo is, uh, we are by design and by intention, pretty much a virtual company, um, other than our product is housed in Minnesota. It's kind of the central point of our supply chain, but, um, and we have a really lean, a lean team, like internally, we have five of us who are BOGO brush. And then we have lots of different contractors and folks that we work with. So we, um, like our manufacturing is our biggest 
kind of operational piece. And we recently made, made a switch, kind of finishing that switch now to a company just outside of Chicago. They do like full, full product development. So they can do the things from design all the way to like kidding and preparing us for like some mass retail partners that we're, that we're gearing up for. Um, so that's been like a very huge uh, benefit for us, but then others, you know, it's like customer service emails and, and um, all of that. Um, my mind is kind of diverging a little bit because when thinking about a team, we used to have a lot more investment into marketing um, in terms of digital marketing but we made the choice to sort of pivot from investing a lot in B2C, so the e-commerce side. It's still there, you can still go to bogobrush.com and subscribe, but switching more to distribution and business to business sales. So our like team has kind of shifted, our resources have kind of shifted to follow more of a, like a mass sales um, approach. Awesome, and what's the product today? Obviously, it's not a bamboo brush. Oh, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, we so um, like I mentioned at the very beginning, we have these two collections and now we so we produce all in the United States. Uh, We learned that bamboo, it's just too difficult to get the tolerances for the bristles accurate. It's a natural material. So you get one little thing that splinters and the process of of bristling. uh, Basically, it's just a little needle that goes into the hole. And when that happens, we were losing more than 50% of our product Mm. just to like head shattering. So from a sustainability perspective, none of that is sustainable. Um, There's all sorts of things I could say about bamboo. Um, But anyway, so we, that led us back to the U S and looking for other, other resources. And we ultimately found some suppliers back here. A couple of them didn't even exist when we started Bogo brush, this biocomposite material we make, them it's like plant-based you could call it plastic but it's all made from plants can just be processed the way through injection molding just like a plastic would but we have four different materials there we use hemp coffee cotton and flax and um yeah though that company our partner there is c2 renew they've been a really awesome support for us and that's probably our most popular most popular collection but we offer both because when you think about sustainability for us it's very important you also consider the end you know at the end as such life cycle and most communities at least in the united states don't have composting programs and so it doesn't make sense for everyone to be having compostable toothbrushes if they're not composting so having a recyclable collection is in our view, a very responsible and important step because recycling, even though there's lots of flaws in recycling as well, it's a more readily available process. Hmm. When it comes to Bogo Brush as a social impact company, what is the, what is the one or two things that uh, you guys are most proud of for your social impact? Is there any kind of buy one, give back percentage uh, mission part to it? Is it, we are so focused on making a sustainable toothbrush and that's our core tenant. Tell us about the social impact of the company. Bogo brush started as buy one, give one. So very literal, right? That's where Bogo comes from. Um, Kind of following the inspiration of Tom's shoes when we started, right? Almost whatever eight, nine years ago. And uh, so we've given lots of toothbrushes, thousands and thousands of toothbrushes to people across the United States and clinics that are doing awesome work in Detroit, in Minnesota, in North Dakota. Um, 
uh, yeah, all kinds of things. But uh, we always knew that toothbrushes wouldn't be the only thing that we would give because sometimes toothbrushes aren't what a community needs to be sustainable. And we have our giving now so that we um, contribute a 10% to um, sustainability causes around the world. And we choose where to give based on two kind of two main factors. One is where do we have significant sales? So where do we have a large following, whether that's individual customers, right? So in Michigan, we have a lot of sales. We're a Detroit company. So we give to health clinics in Michigan, or we have a partner resort in the Maldives. So out in the Indian Ocean, it's a sustainability resort. And out there, we want to contribute to things that make sense for them. Right. So what are these local local causes or like in North Dakota? So in the Maldives, it's cleaning the ocean and trying to help find solutions for garbage. They're just like buried under garbage, not only plastic, just garbage um, and all sorts of climate change issues, all kinds of things or uh, planting trees in Spain. Reforestation is a really big a really big issue. So we partner with folks for planting trees. I don't know that there's like a favorite one, I think that the part that lights me up with this and for me the reason one of the main reasons that the company even exists is this connecting piece it's this opportunity that not only is the customer connecting with someone outside of themselves or a cause and also the planet hey my product is good for the planet but then we and I get to go out and meet all of these different communities and start to understand what does sustainability mean to you and I think it's when we're able to draw those connections that then real solutions and real questions for what can we do next really start to rise, rise up. Mm, powerful. Uh, with the rich history you have with uh, the nonprofit side, the venture capital side, all you've done with Bogo Brush and your other projects, what does social impact mean to you in your terms, in your words? Social impact is helping all people feel this connection, feel that they all equally matter um, to each other, and also that we are equally important to the planet. So what, what can we do to help people, whether it's through like different self-esteem, right? Offering them a high quality product or by helping create their nature to feel more beautiful, um, lifting self-esteem, but also that, just relationship, helping them understand something, myself included, I'm part of this, right? The relationship that we share. That's what I think social impact is about. Hmm. Do you think that every business has a duty to incorporate that into their model or are you okay with there being some businesses that don't? Hmm. Well, I have <laughs> so some interesting for me, like very passionate thoughts on sustainable economic values in general. And so, yeah, this is a great, this is a great topic. I think that companies, yes, I guess have a duty to that, but maybe not just by the sense that, oh, I'm a company, I have to give something. I think it comes more from an understanding of, of what is value and that humanity as a whole can evolve our understanding of what does value mean? Like what is the value of a dollar? And that 
right now a value of a dollar ignores a lot of environmental costs it ignores a lot of human social costs that are kind of kept outside of of the system so to me even more than necessarily companies having a duty to do these things i think it's like the next evolution of humanity where these things are just built into our concepts of existing and of exchanging goods and values which businesses are just that they're just tools to help us exchange exchange resources um i think why business is such an important tool for change and maybe this is where that duty comes from is that like bogo exists so that we can build those environmental and social costs into our product that's why we sell you know a seven dollar toothbrush not a two dollar toothbrush and because slowly as we start to shift the way we perceive value as a humanity as society you know it allows us to make shifts overall so i think companies have a really great opportunity to help make these evolutionary shifts um, that i that i just think are what needs to happen if we want humans to exist on this planet really great uh time to segue back into that core belief that you started with about humanity and nature all being one. Can you tie in your journey with Bogo Brush into that core belief? Yeah. This core belief is something now the way I speak it in that idea of, of oneness has, has not evolved in its core, but the language of it has evolved as I've continued to grow in all of the things I know about, whether it's economics or energy or spirituality. Um, but it connects because Bogo Brush is this product. It's something that John and I created because we wanted to help people feel more connected to each other and to the planet every single day. We wanted to create something that influences that mindset, even if it's subconscious. So every time you grab for your toothbrush, whether you mean to or not, you're going to be like, oh, hey, this is made from the earth. Da, 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 da. And over time, these habits, these rituals start to become ingrained in us and our minds just start questioning other things. We've all had our introduction to whatever our passion is, whether it's directly connected to you know, environmentalism or not, but we know that it's like a snowball effect. So Bogo Brush is just one tool that we can offer the world to help stimulate that idea of connection, to stimulate that idea of oneness. So as we make our decisions, it just starts to become habit. You are absolutely speaking our language at Creative Good. That is so a part of why we started this the this thought that if you can put a sustainable product into someone's hand the first thing they do when they wake up brushing their teeth if you can give that experience to them multiple times throughout the day throughout the course of a month uh continue to put that top of mind just like what you said it's gonna it's gonna make it top of mind and uh that is a better world that's for sure that is a better world um for someone who wants to support Bogo Brush in any front, uh, can you tell us where we can connect with you personally, the company, the website, the handles, and then also what someone can do who's listening to this to help Bogo Brush right away? Awesome. 
So um, for me personally, uh, an easy way to find me um, through the web is my, my website is thisisheather.me. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. My, you can probably just search Heather McDougall, um, but my handle there is hello, this is Heather. Um, and bogobrush, bogobrush.com or at bogobrush um, on pretty much the main, the main social channels. And to support bogobrush, I mean, buy it. <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's a pretty low barrier to entry uh, through, through the website. I think there's free shipping right now. And, um, you know, refer if you have like a dentist or hopefully, <laughs> or if you, you know, know of any stores that really love to sell interesting products that have a cool story, I'd say send us an email, contact at bogobrush.com. And then if you know of any sustainability causes that are local to you, whether it's you want to plant more trees or you, I don't know what it is, but let us know because we exist to help people connect and maybe there's something we can do directly. And if it's not us, we've built a pretty great network over the years and maybe we know someone who can. Awesome. So we started talking about how humanity and nature are all one and Heather broke down the origins of Bogo Brush, took us through the journey to where it is today. And we're going to uh, let Heather um, give us some uh, parting thoughts here and, and close it out for us. So, uh, Heather, if you, uh, you want to close this out, um, just uh, give us some of your final words of wisdom, and then we will say goodbye. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's on repeat, which is good, right? We need to hear things. I think it's three times or something. Yep. Or it's land but i think the more that humans we see ourselves as part of this whole system right that part of the planet part of each other whether we're thinking about it from a scientific perspective that really on like a quantum level we are literally made of the same things as everything around us or if we're thinking about it on maybe more of a figurative level I think right now, you know, to kind of timestamp it, we're in, in the early midst of the COVID pandemic and we're seeing that our choices impact each other. And so I think, I mean, that's literal, but maybe not quite on the quantum level. It's just the more we understand and accept how we are all connected, we can let go of fear, right? Let's stop judging each other for what choices we're making for sustainability. There's no such thing as perfect. We all have our own roles to play. So trust that little voice in your heart that tells you to take whatever next step that means for you. And um, yeah, be grateful for it. I think gratitude is one of the best ways to tap into tap into that connection that we all share. Love it. Humanity and nature are all one. Uh, we've been chatting today with Heather McDougall from Bogo Brush. Heather, thanks for your time. Thank you everyone uh, who is listening for your time. Heather, good luck to you and uh, Bogo Brush and all your other projects. Uh, thrilled to connect with you.